Part One, Chapter Fourteen of Life and Lillian Gish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Life and Lillian Gish by Albert Bigelow Payne. Part One, Chapter Fourteen: A Convent School Typhoid. Lillian never got to ride in Mert's forty-five horsepower car almost immediately she found herself shut safely in a convent school across the river the ursuline academy not for anything she had done or was likely to do but because this plan seemed to offer special advantages her mother lived in a tiny room near the store it was in no sense a home and working as she did twelve or fourteen hours a day she could give a daughter very little care a public school would mean that lillian's free hours would have to be spent in the store on the street or with her aunt across the river no place for play no place for study the ursuline academy provided board and tuition for twenty dollars a month and was thought to be very good lillian was not at first greatly interested in the convent idea especially when she learned she could leave it but once a month it was just another kind of those dreaded institutions she changed her mind about all that later it seemed to her that at last she had reached a place of peace and rest no troubles no dangers any more she was a natural religieuse and found a vast and nameless comfort behind the high walls and closed windows the place might have been in the midst of the sahara for all that could be seen of the outer world the convent regime was not especially severe only the early rising was hard they rose at five thirty and had breakfast by candlelight mild coffee and thick slices of bread at ten came a between luncheon bread and jam a hearty luncheon at noon with bread and jam again at four then supper so they really ate five times a day there was plenty of work lessons piano practice french but one could walk in the little garden and there was a tennis court and trees and something more to nell she wrote we are going to have a play and an opera and what do you think they wanted me to play kate's father in the taming of the shrew can you imagine me taking that part and singing in a real low voice but i told them i could not and so they're going to give me a part in the play they knew nothing of her stage life an episode always carefully suppressed baggage labels were scraped off when they left new york the stage door was slammed too but she could not disguise her technical knowledge not altogether they gave her bianca in the opera and a leading part in the play as soon as they saw her rehearse lillian confessed later that her ambition at this time was to be either an actress or a nun or a librarian she had a passion for reading and thought as a librarian she could gratify it to nell she wrote i am not going out for a month and will have to write all my letters on the sly which was a sin though spelling it in that way seems to modify it a good deal and carry them in my stocking until mother comes and mails them oh dear 
and in a convent where she thought she would like to remain forever and become a sister like mother evaristo whom she loved very much indeed to another sister teacher of elocution and dramatics she confided her wish to take the veil and was advised against it advised to go on the stage which led to penance on the part of the sister a dear soul each sunday her mother came to see her with news of the outside world and once a month with the others she was allowed to pass the gates a privilege she valued less and less she might so easily have become a nun and in the tragic white sister made fourteen years later we have seen just what sort of a nun she would have become that picture was really a pendant of her earlier experience which she never remembered but with a peculiar affection and a sense of peace during the eight or nine months she was with them the sisters made no attempt to influence her religious views but they were always tenderly kind to her and always later felt that she belonged to them school ended dorothy came from massillon they lived with their st louis aunt boarders going each day across the river to help a narrow hall ran along one side of the shop dividing it from a biograph moving picture place they did not know the word biograph they thought it the name of a man probably a rather kindly man for his doorkeeper let them cross the hall and enter by a side door free they did it often when trade was dull and found the pictures good fun though of course they would never act in anything like that no real actresses would when they grew up they might go back on the stage but never into the movies and the weaver who sits at the loom of circumstance smiled faintly it may be observing from his pattern that in exactly two years these young scorners were to be making pictures for that same mr biograph there came a day when lillian felt barely able to creep out of bed in the morning when at the shop she could hardly hold up her head or lift her feet she had to drive herself to keep going she knew she was ill but said nothing her mother was too busy to bother with a sick child finally one day when she crept home with dorothy to her aunt's she could go no further she fell across the bed unable to undress even to take off her shoes a doctor came it was typhoid fever disordered days black fantastic nights a fire of unquenchable thirst a river at which one lay down and drank and drank and then the river ran dry she was burning up but this was torture not a river but a tub a bathtub of cool water oh quiet and sleep an awakening to a possession of terrible hunger a feeble pleading for food just a little dorothy unable to resist brought her something from her own luncheon but then the fever again relapse semi-recovery relapse again surely she could never live through this 
somehow the frail constitution stood the test dorothy permitted one day to enter the room found lillian with a wishbone in her hand struck with terror dorothy started toward her to take it away but the patient a staring little ghost all eyes put it to her lips if dorothy came closer she would eat something and surely die each time dorothy started toward the bed the bone went to lillian's lips she hurried out to tell the others about it and was told that lillian was better much better this time the wishbone was just a bone nothing on it not a thing the convalescent noticed that her mother was with her a great deal and vaguely wondered how she could be away from the store one day they told her the store was not there any more fire from the biograph place had destroyed the building there had been no insurance mary gish was once more starting at the bottom worse she had not enough to pay all the expenses of lillian's illness somehow she was able to get the children to massillon through connections she secured a place as manager of a confectionery and catering establishment in springfield where she had begun good enough salary long long hours the children were to remain at massillon with aunt emily and go to school blessed aunt emily end of part one chapter fourteen recording by john brandon